0: Hey everybody
1: welcome into the irish nfl show it is week 14 tonight i can't believe it's week 14. it seems like only five minutes ago that mac jones went for 19 yards but we're here delighted to look ahead to the game tonight we've got the pittsburgh Steelers going up against the minnesota vikings vikings coming off that defeat uh, in detroit last weekend trying to bounce back tonight Steelers playing the ravens last weekend uh both very interesting games for neutrals we are honored delighted to be joined by from the athletic and Loads of other outlets I've literally got a paragraph here, but uh, Arif Hassan, it's it is a it, it's an honor to have you on, a few, especially a few hours before Thursday night football. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Good. Tired. Uh, I I'm, I'm ready for the playoffs now. I uh, you know, <laughs> like Monday night killed me. Like Sunday night football, Monday night football, two big games, and I'm just like I don't know, man. Yeah, no, it's 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 uh they drag on for a while. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> Arif, uh, we we ask everyone this and like, look, I, have you ever been to Ireland before? Did, did you get a chance to go over to the games in London even with the Vikings? Yeah,
2: I, I, I went over to the London games. I actually was going to take a day trip to Ireland because one of the things I wanted to do was was talk about Viking history along with Vikings history, right? And, you know, uh, heading over to some Irish monasteries would have been a really fantastic way to kind of round that out. But fortunately I couldn't I couldn't make it work out with my schedule. So I wasn't able to make it over to Ireland then um had a couple of other opportunities to go to ireland and have unfortunately missed out every time it's actually um uh, right now it's actually my top european because it used to be iceland that i wanted to go to but i was able to head there uh this last summer uh and so now ireland's at the at the top of my list it's like ireland certain parts of spain that i haven't been to yet um and uh, and yeah i've been i've been to a, a good chunk of europe and i still haven't been able to make it over to uh, to the isles
3: well we would love to welcome you to, to Ireland. and uh, not just it's not just the monasteries or the the round towers that you can even see right right <laughs> over my shoulders but like dublin is obviously a, an old viking city so all sorts of stuff to to check out but we are here to to talk football and um look i joke on our show now that this current vikings team would play both the super bowl 24 49ers or the 2017 oh uh, 2017 yeah oh and 16 browns close uh, who
2: who are the 2021 vikings yeah, well they're anything but average they're either really incredible or or really awful um you know people say they, they play their opponent and that's that's almost entirely true that they'll play to the level of their opponent but even more than that um, they will just have these stretches uh, where they look like, it, frankly, an elite NFL team. And then these stretches where they look like just an abysmal team that doesn't know what they're doing, that doesn't look like the coach very well, that doesn't have the talent to compete on the field. And I just published a piece over at The Athletic about you know, one of the kind of contradictions of the Vikings, which is if you eliminated the last two minutes of each half, the Vikings would be nine, two, and one. So for 56 minutes of a game, you know, they are one of the top teams in the NFL. In fact, if you did that for every team, the Vikings would rank second just behind the Patriots. So it is wild how how it is to watch the Vikings because you watch these games, they're the only team in the NFL that's had a six-point lead in every single game. Uh, you watch these games and you see you know, how they can play well, when they've played well, what they look like when they're playing really well, their ability to hit explosive plays, create takeaways, their ability to uh, sometimes even stop the run, which is one of their weaknesses. They've, they've even had like some really great moments in that respect. Uh, and then kind of in the final two minutes, they, they turn into, you know, the 0-16 Lions and Browns. They turn into the 0-12 Buccaneers. They look like it, just a truly abysmal team.
1: For neutral and look we'll, we'll talk about lions game in, in a way but prefer neutral i've actually enjoyed watching the lions this season because you genuinely do not know what you're going to get and that is what's keeping me going for this thursday night game but um, <laughs> you said you said on your norse code podcast and this tweet blew up i did not expect this tweet to blow up column but uh obviously over here we've got the whole mail curse something about a priest and, and, and a bus and the, and the all ireland and, and they're not going to win the all ireland until the last person well the last person did unfortunately Pass away recently but no it, i i know i know it happened colin wasn't it just after the all Ireland? wasn't it two weeks after
3: yeah it was literally yeah. just after the the final where mayo had once again lost
1: to my county but that's a different conversation so it's all good it's <laughs> been a good year but you said uh, you feel uh if the vikings hankered somebody it would be in way funnier circumstances well it's been that was at the start of september and it has been a hell of a season i mean are the vikings cursed i don't think they're cursed but uh, they're that team for me Arif, in, in my 10 12 years of watching this league that they seem to get close and then they go back and they're always around there but there's so many variables going around
2: yeah um it's it's difficult because we when you talk about a team with a curse you always want a really good story to go with it which is why i was like pretty critical of that mayo story for a while and then someone explained to me that actually the story is like way more interesting than the one i had read i think it was on the bbc um Which I guess that's not a huge shock, right? Um, but uh, the the story was was actually not way to more... Irish
3: audiences, no. Yeah,
2: right, exactly. Um, and so, so I've uh, in, in in the Norse code pantheon, we have reawarded Mayo with with the with the title of having a curse after having heard more of a full story. But yeah, the Vikings don't have that kind of story. I don't know who they ticked off. I mean, you could come up with a couple of stories historically that that might have made sense. I mean, they. Did lose an NFL trophy, but it turns out actually they didn't. And the Packers just had kept it. And then after it was discovered in 2015, the curse wasn't lifted or anything like that. So uh, that's that's not it. They angered the AFL when they initially decided to join the AFL before taking the NFL's offer. But you know, every other team that's angered the AFL has won a Super Bowl. So, you know, that kind of doesn't matter. So there's not really a great curse story. So I wouldn't say that they're cursed um but i don't really know another word for it um just like something about like their genetic memory as as vikings they're just, just inept i don't know they 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 cannot finish um and sometimes you know some leagues are just better with with a team that that is like that that just punches people in the gut and uh, it, it it somebody has to take the burden and, uh, you know, for a while, those like Liverpool fans, right. Uh, <laughs> and, and here in, in Minnesota, it's, it's the Vikings
3: yeah certainly um when i talk to to my in-laws it's always just you know, the heartbreak of being a, a vikings fan but also know a lot of people in michigan so it could be worse it could be the the factory of sadness that is the the lions <laughs> but i'm interested in mike zimmer because obviously a lot of talk this this season and it, it seems to vary depending on you know we talk about it being a week-to-week league well it certainly seems to be the case with mike zimmer but what are your your thoughts on Zimmer? Is, is it entirely dependent on this team making the playoffs that he's back next year?
2: I, I think basically, yeah. I think if they don't make the playoffs, he's out. I think that the nature of their losses has made it pretty easy to kind of pin a lot of the problems that the Vikings had this year on Mike Zimmer. And so if the team and he can't overcome them, it's it's an indictment of his ability to kind of coach. Um, I mean, he's fundamentally I think he's a good coach. I think if the Vikings fire him and he wants to continue coaching football, he'll find a job as a head coach of an NFL team. Um, but I, I think that given how disappointing the season has been, um, this would be the first time uh, I think uh, that the Vikings have gone under 500 two years in a row in the Mike Zimmer era. Um, that, that would, or miss the playoffs, you in the Mike Zimmer era. That would be enough to say that, you know, the, the leash is kind of short now and that he has to go, um, I think that some of these losses in particular, especially that lion's loss. And if they lose, uh, to the Steelers tonight, I think those losses, I think would kind of stick in the minds of, of the ownership when they make that decision. I don't know that they would make the decision, you know, Friday morning or anything like that. But I, I do think, um, that those two games you know the the one tonight and, and the lions um would stick in their mind you know coming up but they still actually have the chance to make the playoffs i think most of the analytics groups like 538 and football outsiders they've got them between a, a 25 and 35 percent chance of making the playoffs which would also be funny and so it would be totally in keeping in line with uh, with the vikings history
1: and that's the thing as well i was actually driving home from work and i thought how do i introduce this show tonight you know week 14 the reality is you've got not just it's five games there's a lot more to go in this season and and who knows what's going to happen but for me for you know for fans over here in in ireland and the uk and europe and i know colin's touched a bit on and on, on zimmer there and the management but what what is the feeling like in in Minneapolis now? Because I seen Vikings fans in Ireland and the UK last Sunday that were like, right, get Zimmer out now, he has to go now. But you know, it 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 is it really isn't over yet. It's not over till it's over, and there's still those five games left.
2: Yeah, I think part of it is just generally the conditioning you receive as a Vikings fan is to be pessimistic, just overall. And so the idea that they could still make the playoffs is a little bit absurd. Uh, and just not within the realm of possibility, given what we've seen recently. Part of it is, I think, a recency bias. The Vikings have looked pretty bad the past couple of games were and far enough removed, I think, from that really impressive Packers win for people to kind of dismiss the Vikings. Um, but then also part of it is just the way the Vikings have played this year, which uh, they have trained you not to hope for them, right? Because they get up in every single game. They've had a lead in every single game and then they lose it. And then, uh, you know, more often than not, in the final two minutes, you know, they'll they'll end up creating a loss. And that, that trains a fan base not to have any particular hope, even if the way you lose a game has no relationship with how a season will go. Even if that's like not one to one, kind of the narrative structure is embedded in your head when you're watching the Vikings. Um, oh, my gosh, this is interesting. I've seen this story before. They're going to screw it up. Oh, I was right. They screwed it up. You know that's just kind of the way it's been to watch a Vikings game this year, and so to think that the season would go any different, um, I th- I think would would kind of defy belief. I think for a lot of Vikings fans. So to to the larger question, kind of how have Vikings fans you know responded to the season thus far? I think that you know the ones that you've interacted with in the UK. Uh, and in Ireland are, are, are representative of, of the ones that you interact with here in Minnesota. I think a lot of people are done with Mike Zimmer, they're done with Kirk Cousins, they're done with Rook Spielman, uh, and they wanna move on. They think that this season is over and it's it's hard to like argue with that, right? Because it's a fundamentally emotional response that's grounded in a lot of reality. And so even if I bring up like, hey, the data says it's not over, no one's gonna care, right? <laughs> and so uh, I, I think that a lot of people um, are are fed up and they're done and you know if they if they if they win out right if they win the rest of their games which would include you know a pretty tough rams opponent too uh as well as you know the packers in january if they win out people's minds will change and i i'm not gonna you know that's not a contradiction that's not a hypocrisy you're reacting to new information uh and it would it would be totally justifiable for their minds to change but that's what it would take
3: um we talked about the frustrations and possible curses and um i will we'll come back maybe to kirk cousins because i know you've written about him but I, I maybe let's let's give viking fans something and um i look i get so many things wrong on this show in terms of predictions in terms of getting excited about certain players but one of the things i'm proud of is i picked justin jefferson as soon as he entered the league i said this guy is going to be a superstar um and so so it has proved at least to to my eyes but we've seen Devonta adams come out over i think twice in the last month he's gone out of his way to to praise jefferson can you talk about as somebody who sees him regularly just about like how good can he be in you know we've seen what you know in a year and a half what he can do but as somebody who sees him regularly can you talk to us a little bit about jefferson
2: yeah i think one thing that stands out about jefferson is both how natural it is for him to do what he does And also how unsatisfied he is with with how good he is and and usually it's kind of one or the other right where where someone who is supernaturally talented is very comfortable with that fact and will i wouldn't say coast on it but will uh kind of live within those parameters and and continue to succeed i don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that or you know there's somebody that um will will continue to kind of work hard it takes them a while to break into becoming a big uh player and once they do they they finally got a taste they don't want to like go so they'll continue to kind of you know work at it and sometimes the way that they play you can kind of tell you know it's it's a little bit labored and i don't mean that necessarily as an insult but it, it's very much deliberate in the way that they play and for jefferson it it's remarkable how much he changes his approach over the course of even just one season but certainly over the course of these past two seasons in the skills that he's gained and the ways that he's improved the areas where he's identified that he's not been you know that that effective of a player and finding ways to kind of shore up and then also the fact that he is naturally uh, quite a gifted receiver both in terms of his physical capability and his instinct and intuition for how to play uh and so i think combining those two things you know really creates uh, this enormous ceiling for him, you know, his potential is functionally unlimited at that point. Uh, and, and he can, he could do quite a bit. I mean, right now he's second, I think in, um, in NFL history in 100 yard games in the player's first two seasons. Um, he's gonna have to have like three more in the next five to catch Odell Beckham. But uh, otherwise, uh, you know, he's done uh, a really just remarkable job of, of being consistent while being explosive at the same time. Uh, and, uh, he has, added to his game in ways that I I think that a lot of players don't like, you know, he's a really effective deep ball receiver. I think that's something that, you know, not a lot of people saw coming out of the draft for him, but it's been something that's been really big part of his game. Uh, And, uh, you know, in the past, he's been kind of struggled a little bit in the red zone and he's improved there. He's still got some more room to improve there. But if you can imagine somebody like him who has the ability to generate 1500 yards in a season, also adding on 10, 12 touchdowns in that same season, you can see how valuable a player like that could be.
1: Always going mute. It's always has to happen. I, I'm actually going to jump on the situation with Kirk Cousins. No call mentioned it there now. <laughs> like it's December the ninth, right? And it was November the 21st, that game against the Packers. You know, looking at the stats, looking where he's ranked, and then obviously the game against the 49ers, and then the game last week against the Lions. What are your thoughts on Kirk Cousins going forward for the rest of the season? But m- more so next year. Do you think he'll be in Minnesota come week one next September?
2: That's such a good question. I think if you don't have Zimmer and it, if you don't have Spielman, you probably don't have Kirk Cousins. I think keeping Zimmer and keeping Spielman means you're probably keeping Cousins because uh, you're keeping those two people in your organization in order to kind of win in the short term because you know what they can do. Uh, and then Cousins would kind of be a continuation of that decision-making process and, and that goal. Um, but if you want to rebuild, I mean, it's entirely possible that Cousins would be a really excellent bridge quarterback for the next quarterback, right? Um, he could be, um, you know, a, a much better, more consistent Ryan Fitzpatrick, right? Somebody that has the ability to uh, take over uh, if, if a rookie is struggling without, you know, necessarily challenging the security of that player, uh, has the ability to start, has the ability to win on the whiteboard, has the ability to be an effective presence uh, in the quarterback room and stuff like that, and win games for you at the same time. He, he can do that, but I think that at $45 million, which is his cap hit next year, that's not really what you're paying for. You're paying for somebody to win you a Super Bowl. Uh, and so that is kind of the, the demand that they'll have next year in terms of, do we have the capability to win the Super Bowl next year, or should we kind of prepare for the future? And if we prepare for the future, you know, how do we work with this contract? And the contract could either be traded, which is entirely possible. You know, there's a lot of teams that could be a quarterback away. Um, if for example the broncos don't have the ability to land Aaron Rodgers next year which seems you know less and less likely as as time goes on you know they might come calling for somebody like Kirk Cousins because the broncos have a really remarkable team and and a great rest of the roster um or you know if Trey Lance isn't working out in San Francisco although that's kind of a long shot um, you know, it, it's possible that, that they could, they could, you know, try to do a, a Jimmy Kirk swap and then Jimmy could be a, a quarterback that trains, you know, your rookie next year. So it is, it is difficult to try and figure out if Kirk will be here next year. I think that the nature of his contract makes it so difficult to move him and makes it difficult to, to do anything, but extend him that it's more likely that he stays here next year. But I don't know that if there's new coaching staff or a regime that that would mean anything like he might just hit free agency in 2023.
3: Uh, I appreciate your your words about the Broncos having a remarkable team, but um, just just being a QB away is something that uh, us Broncos have been uh, saying. Yeah, heard
2: that for but they but they were right. I mean, they won a Super Bowl when they were just a QB away. They got that quarterback they won the Super Bowl after that quarterback had fallen off but I mean mm-hmm. they got there
3: <laughs> yeah it's been it's been an interesting QB right certainly in uh, in Denver but um I suppose one of the the issues against the the Vikings why or against the the Lions for the Vikings was that the, the Lions ability to get to Cousins and that's something that the Vikings have been pretty good about protecting him this year. We haven't seen him take too, too many sacks, um, but obviously they they re- rejigged the line. I think there were three, three guys. <laughs> um, in terms of tonight's game, um, what is it looking like, I suppose, both in terms of the O-line and injuries? And there was talk that Dalvin Cook may be active. Is that actually going to be the case?
2: yeah so uh some of these are going to be game time decisions uh i think that so one, one of the things that the, the 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 what you're referencing in terms of the offensive line is that because christian dersel was hurt and it looks like he won't be able to play you know tonight um because he was hurt they needed a, a solution at left tackle often they would go to rashad hill who's their backup tackle but they didn't do that this time they moved um Udo, who's only ever played on the right side both in college and in the nfl to the left side to play left tackle uh, and then they had Garrett Bradbury come in at center and Mason Cole move out to guard, uh, which meant, of course, that only Ezra Cleveland Brown and Neal were playing their the positions that they had played at the beginning of the year. Uh, and that didn't work out very well. Charles Harris did a really great job getting to the quarterback against Ole Udo. We saw a little bit of pressure come up the interior. For the most part, it was, it was a pretty bad game for the Vikings offensive line. Um, I think that that will force them to kind of reevaluate. But the problem is with a short week, you don't have a lot of time to figure out what you want your offensive line to look like uh and so they might do the same thing uh we won't find out probably until they turn in actives and inactives an hour and a half before the game uh and so uh whether or not they'll stick with Oli Uda at left tackle I don't know um the good news is they do have a lot of experience with Rashad Hill at left tackle and the rest of the line looking like what it does so um they don't really have a ton of chemistry concerns if they just say hey you know has been struggling all season but it's clear he struggles more at left tackle than he does at right guard let's put him back at right guard let's bring Rashad Hill um back uh, up to tackle you know this was in part a way to get Garrett Bradbury on the field because they they feel that with both Mason Cole and Garrett Bradbury they've got starting level interior players I don't know if I agree with that, but that that seems to be what they think. Uh, and if that's the case, I think that they wanted to bring some more interior talent on the field. Uh, and so, if not, if they if they do decide to go with Ole Udo at left tackle, that I think is probably the reasoning. But I think there's every possibility that they move Udo back and bring uh, Rashad Hill over at left tackle.
1: I'm not going to insult your intelligence or ask you who you think is going to win tonight. You know, if, enjoy the game. But just just finally, <laughs> or if. Uh, obviously if you want to give your, your your content a shout out we're we're going to put a link on for the athletic and, and your podcast and, and fantastic work there online and both on the audio and video format as well but uh, who have you got winning all in february because we're seeing all this slander this week boys about the bucks against the I against mean, the patriots i mean is there an <laughs> outsider where you're looking at the minute one they've got a shot um, even in the afc or nfc
2: yeah well if we're, if we're talking about outside shots teams that won't be in the top four seeds of the afc to the nfc um i think it's possible that we might be digging matt stafford's grave a little bit too early i mean the three pick sixes mm. in three games that's rough i'm not going to deny that but they have an outsized impact in our perception of a player versus what they consistently do from game to game to game i think the rams have been struggling in ways that are fixable and they might be able to find ways to fix them to bring them to a super bowl now sean McVay is not great in in second half of season adjustments or anything like that so i'm totally willing to kind of Eat it on that prediction but um i think in terms of outside shots i think the rams and then maybe the cowboys are really good nfc uh, representatives afc you know, anything's possible you know a couple of weeks ago i said it was the patriots and now they're at the top of the chart and so i can't pick them anymore uh, and and uh and i i don't really know what to say it's probably not the titans uh, the the ravens and the bills are, are probably too popular for me to pick as an outside shot but um Yeah, I mean, the the AFC, well, both conferences are very weird, but right now the AFC is just inscrutable. So really anything could happen there. If I was going to pick favorites, it'd probably be be Packers, Patriots, which I I would not love to see, but uh, I think seems like the most likely solution right now.
3: Uh, can you imagine uh, for, I suppose, uh, journalists and, and those covering the, if it, if it does end up being a Bucs uh, Patriots uh, Super oh Bowl, I think <laughs> the, the build up to that will almost be insufferable. Um, but uh, we we shall see. Look, um, Arif, we want to thank you for taking the time to join us on the Irish NFL show. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Uh, hope you enjoy the, the rest of the, the season. Uh, I hope to get back to Minneapolis in the not too distant future, but that invite to come and check out the, that, that that picture right behind me is of Glendalough, one of the most beautiful places in Ireland. Cannot recommend it highly enough. So thanks for taking the time today and uh, look forward to welcoming you back to the Irish fellowship, at some point in the future.
2: Absolutely. It, when, I, when I head to Ireland, I'll let you know. Please do. Absolutely. In column, folks, was in
1: Notre Dame a few weeks ago. Here is how it got, here is how he got on, not how it got on. See you guys in a second.
3: Here on the University of Notre Dame campus, building up to today's game with Georgia Tech, and I am joined by former defensive tackle for Western Michigan, Corey Flom. Corey, how you doing? Great, great, great. Glad to be here with you. Yeah, delighted to get the opportunity to talk to you. You played D1 college ball. We're about two hours from kickoff. What would be like for the players right now? Well, good kind guys, of, everybody just got off the bus, so you're you're getting in there. You're kind of getting your mind right probably getting out walking the field um kind of calm before the storm atmosphere and then uh you know it's get your game face on it taped up pads on ready to go and uh, i know one of your disappointments is you never got to play notre dame during your career playing college ball but you played some big games what's it like running onto the field uh, with that atmosphere uh, it's, uh, Definitely an amazing experience, uh, one you'll never forget, uh, played in some big games. Uh, if I was a year younger, I'd have, I'd have played here, we played uh, the year after, I was fortunate enough to come and watch, and we did not come away with a W. but, uh, you know, experiences is something you can't you can't miss out on. And if I was to ask you for a pick on today's game, Notre Dame or Georgia Tech? Uh, you got to go with the, uh, the hometown heroes, you know, Notre Dame. Thanks very much, Corey. Appreciate you joining me today. establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common
4: defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty
5: to ourselves
3: and our posterity, do ordain and establish this trust- Notre Dame today. Uh, impressive performance for them. Disappointing from Georgia Tech. Looks like the game's over in uh, the first quarter. Uh, I wouldn't count Georgia Tech out, but it's a long way up from here. Um Yeah, I, I, I would say it's it's a long, long way back. I mean, Notre Dame just get pressured offensively. Uh, offense to looking better, better on special teams, just winning on all three phases of the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, Georgia Tech's definitely getting worked on the interior. The uh, offensive line hasn't really shown up much. Notre Dame's winning the upfront battle, which is a tough day for anybody. I think you were enjoying the uh, the D-line play of uh, Notre Dame uh, and what they were doing, the Georgia Tech Center. Yes. Yeah.
1: everybody welcome in and uh, we're back live here now. i to be joined by colin by mark sorry brian it been a long day and mark how are you doing boys good
3: good yeah
4: i'm loving that air. Uh, i assume it's a christmas decoration co- column yeah
3: yeah yeah trying, trying to be a bit
4: festive
0: yeah, yeah. Well, the, the harris the harris junior jersey really is quite a festive treat. i have to say
3: yeah, yeah, it was was, uh, you know, he, he tended to come alive in December and January when he played at uh, Mile High.
1: Our guest has uh, disappeared. I think he's coming back but until then. Oh, uh, great!
0: so we get to talk about Monday Night Football. Brilliant.
1: No, 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 we don't. <laughs> uh, hey, just, I mean, <laughs> oh, here he is, here he is. Okay, delighted to welcome him because we've gone for about 20 minutes. He is the host of the morning show 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh. Uh, we're going to talk some Steelers. Welcome in to Colin Dunlap. Colin, hey, uh, welcome to the Irish NFL show. Your debut on the show. Welcome in. Your audio is not working. Oh, there we go. Is that better? Thank, thank God, Colin. Thank God. Right. How, how are you? I'm great. How
5: are you guys? Oh, good. Doing good. Doing good.
1: Uh, obviously, Thursday night football. I was about to say Monday night football there. Mark's put me in a bad mood after that Patriots game. But uh, yeah, yeah. Big, big night for the Steelers. Colin, uh, before we talk about that there, can you tell us maybe a wee bit about yourself? Have you ever been to Ireland? Obviously, Pittsburgh played in Dublin in 97, obviously a strong affinity to Ireland. Have you ever been over?
5: I have, uh, but not necessarily sports-related, just to uh, just to travel, yeah. And um, judging by my first and my surname, I think you guys can tell that there's a bit of lineage there, but uh, uh, not now. We can't come over. It's a little bit of a different time, I guess. But um yeah, I, I, I much enjoyed. It. And I think, you know, obviously with the link to the Roonies and the heavy sort of Irish Catholic uh, contingent here in Pittsburgh, uh, there's a, a lot of people. Um, there's a lot of Irish people here in Pittsburgh, uh, at least Irish Americans and the link to the Roonies. I mean, it, it's, it's phenomenal in the way that these uh, with the, how the late ambassador was and, and everything, the link to the, the organization in the country.
3: Yeah, we've been very fortunate to talk to uh, one of the Rooneys and um to Kevin Colbert, but I think this is a, an interesting one, Colin. The the Steelers sit six, five, and one. We have seen the good and the bad, obviously, the, the loss to to Cincy. Mike Tomlin says they need to do a bit of soul searching and look in the mirror. And then you come back against the most hated rivals and get a victory. Just who are the, the 2021 Steelers? <clears throat>
5: Why don't you tell me? Because no one here can figure it out, right? Um, I I don't know. I I don't know. I will say this. I think they're a team that needs to win tonight or it's over. Because if you look at the proposition in front of them, they have five football games left. And I think they need to get to nine wins. So that's three wins. If they lose tonight, does anybody who I'm talking to think they're going to win three of four? I, I I don't think so. So if they win tonight, that just leaves two of four. That's doable, right? You could split. You could go five hundred in the last two games uh, tonight, It's a team that has yet to establish an identity, but it is a team that I don't think is all that uncommon throughout the league this year, as there's so much parity, and teams are looking to still looking, even though we're into December now. To trying to find out what they are so even though they haven't established an identity and we don't know what they are it's not a a year where you have a few teams already you know with 12 or 13 wins and they're running away with it it seems like there are a lot of teams in that boat guys
4: colin during the summer we were fortunate to have uh, one of the rooney family on the show based in Dublin at the time he was over here traveling and he suggested potentially a wild card spot for this team and we we weren't sure what what were your expectations going into the season already where are you expected them to be
5: i see, pretty much i said that they'd be a 9 and 8 football team and I, I don't know how you guys feel about this but the 17 games has screwed up my math all season uh trying to figure it out but leave it to mike tomlin to leave the window open and perhaps have a 500 season when it's a, almost a mathematical impossibility um, and he could per- perhaps do it uh, this season at, at 8, 8, and 1. Um, I expected them to be 9 and 8. I expected them to be around a 500 team right around there, and wouldn't you know it, here we are, which is why I find a lot of the, the haggling, why I find a lot of the belly aching, to kind of go out the window because if we revert back to August, guys, so many people said, they're going to win one they're going to lose one they're going to win one they're going to lose one they'll be about eight or nine win team and it's trending toward them being an eight or nine win team so aren't we right where we thought we would be
0: yeah colin the tie is just it's just perfection in terms of the balancing (laughs) and the rebalancing for us all and as you say, making the 500 would almost be uh um poetic in its nature yes um you know, Colin, you, you, the defense of the Steelers this season at times has resembled an episode of MASH. Um, you know, you've had some of your key players out at various times. And on offense, everybody wants to talk about Big Ben and the will he won't he. I was referring to him, alluding to him in terms of Brett Favre the other week on our show, in the kind of like, you want me, come take me back, call for me, ask me. But in fact, the most fascinating thing for me about this Steelers team isn't the defense, it isn't even Big Ben, it isn't even your wide receivers who can be dropsy at times, both Johnson and Claypool. It's actually the fact that Mike Tomlin, as great as a coach he is, year in, year out, seems to go in with an offensive line made up of sticky back plaster and, um, I don't know, a bandage wrapped around them. Because it's not just this season, it's the last few seasons. They've been pretty bad. And, you know, what's NJ Harris supposed to do? What's Big Ben supposed to do behind that line?
5: Well, you know, that's a very fair point. And the way I look at it is from a technical football sense, I don't know how much they can do, but I do think this. If you have a mobile quarterback and you have a guy that can move and you have a guy that can throw on the run, you can't negate that, but you can minimize uh, the impacts of a bad offensive line. We don't see Ben Roethlisberger get outside the tackle box. We don't see him bootleg. We don't see him get out and run. Uh, Again, you can't fully negate that. But a better quarterback, not a better quarterback, a quarterback that works in that system more and rolls the pocket and moves the pocket and throws on the run, not a running quarterback. Those are two different things uh, can help negate that. It's almost like if you can't beat them, join them. They can't figure it out and fix it. You have to figure out a workaround, which would be a quarterback that can move some. Like I've been a proponent all year of, you know, I, I didn't think Ben should have come back this year. I think he holds them back from an organization sense. I don't think they're able to move forward and into next year in Mason Rudolph. I don't think he's the guy I've been a long proponent uh, this year of a guy like Marcus Mariota next year. Bring him in for one year. Let him play quarterback. Let him move around some. Then you figure out what you got in him and or you draft somebody next year. Not this coming draft next year. Um, You do that or, you know, you have a guy like Matt Ryan. He's not a running quarterback. But he can throw on the move a little bit. He can move right and left and throw on his feet. Uh Ben Roethlisberger, he plays into their weaknesses. And that's not good.
1: Colin, uh, six, five, and one, going into week 14, first night football tonight. You mentioned there about the schedule. Um, obviously the Vikings tonight, Steelers, Titans next, Chiefs, Browns, Ravens. Hell of a hell of a last five games or hell of a last four games to take tonight out of it. The only positive you can really take from that as a Steelers fan or somebody in Pittsburgh is you get a 10-day rest after tonight, get over the hump. It's almost like a mini-bye week. Take a few days off for Big Bear and maybe Hale. but that is yeah, still yeah. a very
5: tough just the end of the season. You know, something from an atmospherical sense, or for, or as Mike Tomlin would say, globally speaking, I guess, um, even though it's really just indigenous to North America, but something that bothers me about these Thursday night games are, you'll get this in December especially, guys. And you heard it this week from some of the Steelers players. Oh, Thursday night football. They don't care about our safety. Oh, Thursday night football. All they want to do is make money, the NFL. Thursday night, it's greed and we're unhealthy. Well, okay. Tell us that on a Tuesday in December. But you guys have a collective bargaining agreement. When you hammered out your new contract, why didn't you bring it up then? Why didn't you say it then? It's okay to gripe and bellyache and complain and have qualms about right now. You sat at a negotiation table, and you could have said, hey, we ain't playing on Thursday night, or we're not playing football. The money's good enough whenever it's time to, to hammer out a CBA, but then you you squawk about it. I'm just I'm tired of hearing it from the players. I think it is all about greed. I think it is all about the NFL making money. But that being said, you're a party to it, if you, if you oblige them.
3: Colin, from um, this position as, uh, you know, a a neutral in terms of the Steelers, but and from 5,000 miles away, Mike Tomlin and and his press conferences are absolutely box office. Obviously a guy Mm -hmm. who's never had a losing season. This year he's had possibly more to talk about than ever with the links to college football and all that nonsense. Um, as somebody on the ground covering the the team, uh, can you talk to us a little bit about Tomlin?
5: I think he's brilliant, and I think he's incredibly intelligent, and I don't think that anything is contrived. You know, um, I feel like now I don't know if he sits around his his dinner table and he was like, "Could you?" Uh, please pass me the salt with which I'll apply to my dinner. Like, I don't think he talks like that in real life, but I think he goes into football mode when he's in that football facility. And that's the way that he is. I I will say he doesn't suffer fools well, which I like. You know, I don't either. I don't have time for people who are knuckleheads. But also, I don't feel as if – I think he thinks before he speaks every word – and you know you're not going to get cliches out of him. You know that there's real thought. I mean, so I I enjoy it. I really do. I think that I think he he's an and, and if if nothing else, I think he's a very honest man. I, I I truly do.
4: Colin, I suppose this game tonight is in terms of a wild card game, potentially a wild card opportunity for Steelers. to love to the fact that the division is so open this season. What have you made of the inconsistency of the other teams? We a lot of people felt this would be the year the Browns would push on. It yeah, hasn't, yeah, hasn't come, hasn't come to pass.
5: Well, Baker Mayfield sucks, so there's that. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I've been saying it.
4: I've been saying it all season, Colin.
5: Right. Okay. Baker Mayfield's the kind of guy. If you can show me one time when he's made a throw of consequence that he, when he's had to make a throw of consequence, show me the tape. He can keep you in games. He can earlier in the season the big up and down game. Uh, that they played with the chargers okay 37 37 or whatever it was then he needed to make a throw and he couldn't make it he just he can get you right there to the edge but he can't get you into the water He, he can't do it so there's that you don't know what you're getting with lamar jackson i think that lamar jackson if you really look at the pace that he's on both from a season standpoint and a career standpoint he just simply gets hit too much you can't allow a man you can't allow your quarterback to to, to, to ha- have that many blows to get hit that much. And I think Burrow is, from a talent standpoint, the best quarterback in the division. I think that Chase is just unbelievable. But they haven't had time to gel as an offensive unit. And their defense is good at times. But I think that they're a bit inconsistent as well. I, I don't know if Cincinnati is ready to win if you know what i mean if they if they know in close if they believe i think when cincinnati gets into close games still at this point it's almost like let's hope we win as opposed to an expectation of winning football games and they've got to learn that over time but baker mayfield sucks
0: yeah he, he's no discount double check but does a good pitch man for progressive doesn't he his ad, yeah. his ad work is about the best. well he
5: never gets life. away from work he lives at the stadium you know? that's it
0: that's it yeah. um colin there are three movies in oscar history that have won the best five uh the top five awards like best film best director best actor actress and best screenplay they can adequately describe much of the pittsburgh steelers season one was called it happened one night back in the 1930s which you might look back on the ravens game in that mm-hmm. regard one is the silence of the lambs still the only horror movie to have won the best film oscar And whether the Lions tie or the Bengals lost, there's certainly been a bit of horror in the season. And the other, of course, is one flew over the cuckoo's nest. And if anything summed up disassociative personality disorder, it is either the Pittsburgh Steelers or indeed the Minnesota Vikings. So a Thursday night game between the Steelers and the Vikings is just the craziest thing that could probably happen in this craziest season of all. Can you help us please, for Thursday night football, try and make sense of the matchup we're going to face tonight?
5: I can. And I'll tell you, I think there's one big thing that not a lot of people are talking about. If the Steelers score first, Minnesota's home crowd, although it's been built, is loud. I've been in that stadium. It's 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 raucous. It can be pandemonium in there. They are seething because of the loss to Detroit. If the Steelers score first, they are after Zimmer. They are going to boo this guy off the field. They are going to turn on this guy. They are going to – because they want him out. That's all the talk out of Minneapolis. You guys see the the websites just as I do, and the papers just as – they have the the, the torches and and the pitchforks, and they are ready to get him. Uh, I think if the Steelers can get up and just score first, that crowd will turn on their home team, and that will be a gigantic story. It will be – because they want him fired right now. If they get behind in this football game, they're going to want them fired at halftime. I, I feel that way. I mean, these are two teams. Keep, them, keep this in mind. This is the battle of the two teams that couldn't beat the freaking Lions.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, uh-uh. just random, random stat if I can, Michael. I think the Lions game was the first game that the Vikings weren't up by at least seven points in this entire season. And look at their record. So – who knows what they come out with.
1: Yeah. And like that, that, that's the thing as well. And like looking at the Lions Colin, like you know, the Lions, sorry, not the not the Lions, the Vikings. Fine, all the Lions yeah. aren't playing tonight. Jesus, if the Lions are playing tonight, <laughs> there wouldn't even be a show. That was a joke. The Lions are great. Congratulations <laughs> last week. and um, the Vikings, three weeks ago, they beat the Packers Colin, right? So yeah you know, for me. If I'm if I'm Pittsburgh like that high after Sunday after Baltimore not getting the two points, it's a perfect time to play them. But I mean, do, do, do you rate Kirk Cousins to the point of you think he could take this team over the line tonight and get twenty or thirty points against Pittsburgh after Pittsburgh have left well, the last two of the games they've held Baltimore on Sunday to a certain amount of points. What's your thoughts? No. On that? <laughs>
5: no, I don't, and I think that's why they're playing Cook, who is hurt. I think they're panicked, and they're playing Cook, yeah. and he's not ready to play, but they feel like they have to play him. Um, Thielen's out, and so he can't play, and so they've rushed Cook back in this because they don't believe in their quarterback. I mean, where do you rate him? Do you do you, do you honestly think that he's a, a top 20 quarterback on the planet? Middle of the road. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I just and I think that that, because they don't trust him, that's a lot of the reason why Cook's arm may fall off. his in The middle of his chest, there may be a big protrusion or, or hole in it. I don't know which one. But they said, you got to play tonight because this guy can't beat anybody. He's, or he's not going to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, I don't think, with his skill set. And he's a, scared to death that T.J. Watt is going to put him in an ambulance.
0: He's Kerry Collins for the 21st century. That's right. There
5: you go. There you go.
3: Um, Colin, I think the only way this would be more entertaining is if we were to do it with a few pints in a pub. But uh, I, I'm going to gonna ask for your your prediction for a score for tonight's game.
5: Certainly. Uh, Steelers, 21-19. And I think that Boswell makes a field goal at the end to win this football game. It's indoors, so he won't be affected by... Uh, the wind, hopefully not the weather. I, I don't think it'll be a blowout either way. I think it'll be one of those games that you kind of kick yourself. You stayed up all night to watch because it won't – it'll be ugly. It won't be very entertaining. Uh, but the Steelers will find a way to win, I think, like 21-19. Um, and I, I understand ugly. You guys um, – I, I, I know a couple guys who have played uh, in a very high-level soccer. I'm, I'm friends with them. And you'll never believe the team that I pull for. You'll, you'll never guess it in the world. I'm a big uh, – uh, Peterborough. QPR. QPR. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, so I know about ups and downs. I know about hating the management. I know about spending too much money. I know about uh, being – just having the, the, the thrill of victory ripped right out from you. Um, so I've, I've lived that in my life um and i know about being somebody's like little brother for the most part um that's not the steelers but that's that's my um that's my foot my soccer side so
4: well colin you've been a great guest um I'll, I'll put it like this if the steelers make the playoffs you're back on the show please god and if qpr make the championship playoffs we'll certainly have you back on Come May yeah as it, well. It,
5: Big shout out to my Irish buddies. I, I know the uh, Gallon brothers, Stevie and Joe Gallen, um, and Kevin Gallen, who are all who QPR men. That I, they're good friends of mine through some friends that I have here in America. And they're gigantic. They're big, great Irishmen, and um, they'll drink a, a pint with you anytime. That is for sure. But you're on if the Steelers make the playoffs. But they have to win tonight. If they don't make the playoffs, or if they don't win tonight, forget it. No playoffs.
1: You gotta take that Ted Lasso spirit tonight, Colin, and believe, man. Yeah, believe. <laughs> In, yeah. in the,
5: well, believe Minnesota. believe in this hand, and do something else in this hand, and see which one gets killed first. <laughs>
1: Colin Dunlap
5: at Colin underscore Dunlap. Recommend anybody
1: Ireland, UK, Europe, NFL fans give Colin the following. Colin, you're welcome anytime, man. Hopefully, we can share a pint in Pittsburgh someday. And really appreciate you coming on before the game. Thanks so much. Yep, yep. Thank you so much. See you guys. Cheers, Colin. Thanks. What a great guy. That was a good cry.
4: It makes you want to root for the Steelers, doesn't it?
0: I almost well, makes you want to root for a QPR. It. Jesus, no, we will see the picture uh, tonight. I'm, I'm uh, never too
4: far. <laughs> no, that's not got too far. I still don't mind but... his first
0: goal yeah, yeah. against QPR. Do you remember? I,
4: the I, re- I still remember 2012 when Joey Burton got sent off at the Etihad. So, no,
1: I met Joey Barton the year after. Uh, I'll put the picture up later on and Guillaume Balagay in Belfast. There's your uh random start of night I remember
3: the Tr- Trevor Sinclair scoring a goal of the season overhead bicycle kick for QPR many moons ago. There I'll, are give you, I, I, I'll give you yeah, a story. Ahead.
4: I'll give you a story away from NFL. Do you remember in ninety five when the trouble at Lansdown Road with the in England? Um
0: well don't, don't remember
3: anything right? about
0: that Brian don't know what you're talking no, no, about. No no no
4: no I have a story for, I have a story for it. Do you remember the young child that was on the pitch that got all the exposure and got all the free trips to the UK? Yes. Yeah he's my cousin right and mm-hmm. his father his father who was with him is a qpr fan and man united brought him and his father over to the game and it was man united qpr in the quarter final of the fa cup dennis airman scored qpr didn't win that day i think lee sharp got the force as well michael you are four years of age i think was it three? yeah four yeah you were four years.
1: and then the game was at windsor the year after wasn't it the world cup qualifier or was that the year before that no, that, no, was that. That,
4: that was before that that was that was 93 yeah
1: 93. i was two years of age i don't <laughs> remember it. Uh, fred fred not now no, colin's gone i can say that big ben is slower than a wet weekend in a slippery rock you know, so that is
5: that is <laughs> atrocious <laughs>
1: that is atrocious stuff comment. but uh i think he, even he knows it as well a uh, big game for the cowboys of the weekend uh, it's on sky the cowboys are on sky this weekend boys uh
4: it's there a big game go. in fairness it's a big, it, it, in it the is big game it, it, in slot, big game, really. Washington yeah, I, you, yeah. you've got to bear in mind for all the grief that the nfc east gets there could be two of the teams in
3: the playoffs very big yeah. game and mike mccarthy has guaranteed a win
0: yeah doomed wow. they're doomed yeah
3: nearly
4: as bad as when he took out the Harry lemon last year and started smashing him up before the night before the vikings yeah they are getting a lot of players back in defense this weekend I can understand why he's very confident
3: but, Michael, oh, one uh, thing is on the bottom. list. Par- Micah Parsons and... was limited today. Okay. And apparently uh, Pollard's a game-time decision.
4: Yeah, there's an update from wrapping in the past hour on, those, on on Pollard. I haven't got around. Anyway, we'll keep that. Save that for the weekend. Save that for the weekend. Well,
1: sure. I, I, I have a little announcement to make. Uh, we are not announcing a deal with Fangio like uh, Pat McAfee. But maybe, maybe in the future, I want to congratulate him. $30 million a year and uh well done that could be us someday boys who knows who knows we we could be doing a crack but uh i have yeah i was gonna say something and it's in my head here now and it's it's completely gone yes my new technique is not working for these late games i'm now recording the games and getting up early to watch them before i go to work and um not going great so far far. thank god i didn't watch that on monday night
0: Michael, you just need to get yourself one of these little alarm clock things that helps get you up really early, and then you catch up with the game early. It's called a child, and generally they 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 do the job for you. And
4: then you... Michael, that <laughs> technique you're, you you start doing,
0: daddy watches the NFL, or vice versa.
4: That technique that you've been using over the past fortnight has been has been saving me all season. That's how I do it every week. So I get oh, the man. opportunity to watch the entirety of the game before my kids make an appearance <laughs> in the morning.
0: Gents, I know we've got a, a busy show, but are we not going to talk about Monday Night Football? Are you sure we're not
1: going to no, talk no, about Night Night Football? No, no, we're back. not. Football. We're not going to talk about
3: Monday Night Football. There's nothing to talk about. There is lots Bills. to talk I about. Talk about are... I want okay. to talk about it. Can, can
1: I want to talk about it. Can I say one thing and then I'm going to go and try and get this next guest on? The Bills are going to be the Bills. Well, no, well done to uh, the Patriots' defense and. Um, it is what it is. I actually think and I haven't seen this on Twitter, but I know for a fact there's you there's actually a tour and a shout out to everybody on that tour at the minute over at that game. Neil Reynolds on it as well. There was no images. I was dying to see like a video or a picture of all them boys. Like that boys, that that weather looked like
4: you gotta give atrocious the atrocious Bills advice. fan. You gotta give any fan, whether they're Bills or Pages, to brave the elements on Monday night. But you know, I'm gonna make a quick one for this weekend. The pages don't play this weekend. A couple of weeks ago, Colum said you know the books are celebrating again they didn't play this weekend and all the results went their way well come monday morning i'm going to put it out there now the Patriots will be celebrating potentially that division because the books are going to beat the bills on sunday you know from, mon- this weekend show from monday in the cold they're playing in florida at the weekend i think by the fourth quarter they're going to be gassed and tom brady's going to make put, put points on that team and then mark will be happy on monday morning with this tom, tom brady with his
0: 32 and 3 record against the bills as i well. think it's
3: 38 and 2. that's very good since even no, 32, 32. 32. he's going for the <laughs> ult- ultimate irish stat 33 3.
1: <laughs> okay um
3: it'll
4: be perfect mark sorry okay. did you,
1: i'm sorry mark did you not get john to talk about your afc champions yet
0: Oh, no no i don't i mean look i mean we're just quietly in the corner just having a seven game win streak and being number on one seed in the AFC yes. at the moment at nine and four don't six, need six. to dwell on the game it's okay we're, we're just quite happy i will say one thing dante scannaccio um on boston radio this week obviously the long-term patriots o-line coach a legend in his own right kind of referred to it as a dream game because he said <laughs> The O line didn't have to worry about pass protecting. They didn't have to worry about picking up pass blitzes. They knew every single play. They could just go out there and hit someone hard and try and drive them backwards. And I just think, yeah, that's that's pretty much the O line enjoyed every every minute of it. Even both sides, like the O lines, had fun. Um, Davin Davin Godshow is the name that should be reflected. Fantastic Hold move played during that game. They had
1: one run. Like we have both watched this game. They had one. Run, and they've done SFA, sweet F, all the rest of the game. Fair play to them. Like, but these people saying, "Oh, it's going to be great seeing a box and Patriots." God,
0: get, get on. here boys Michael, Michael. Come Nobody's on, talking man. about that. But the pay, the Bills
3: would not have everybody had one. Everybody there. says
1: it's all bills over will... social media this week. My, my Michael,
3: thing. no one gave the, on this show the slander against Mac Jones before this season started was ridiculous. The slander against the Patriots was crazy. The fact that they're sitting where they are, and I don't think they're going to a Super Bowl, but the fact they're sitting where they are is a pretty solid testament. And we can't, yeah. not a, as a Broncos fan, we once had a game where Tim Tebow threw two passes. Um, I think, you know, um, glass houses and whatnot. Um, I just
4: say, in, in fairness, was Marcus Cronin on the division? I don't think Mark saw this coming, to be honest, because um, if you recap a show about four or five weeks ago, he was even making points. I could see a scenario where we might win nine games this season. I think that's what Mark said at the time. But look, fair play to come with the run. Monday's game is a game on its own because the conditions were so bad, it's hard to take away anything from that game form-wise. I'd like to, I don't think the Bills are walking away from that game saying, oh, we're really concerned because of certain... Um, schemes or in, it's just one of those games they had their opportunity didn't take them and i don't think the page would have walked away and said we were convincing in a win when they played to the foxbury if the conditions are back to normal i think we'll see a very different game and I'm not saying the result would be different but the way the game will play out would be very different
0: and and brian you're mm. right i thought i thought the Pats were going to be a uh a wild card team this year I didn't think they'd they take did. the division I still thought the Bills would take the division and they do still have the Colts next and then the Bills so there's every possibility the Pats have two very tough games ahead but I just love the incongruity of it all is the Bill Belichick just kind of goes yeah do you know what we're just not going to bother we're just going to run it
3: every single play and they controlled yeah. enough of the clock and they got enough momentum Mark, you're you're leaving out, he wore a navy face mask before he ran the ball 46 times. Love I mean, it. if Bill Belichick it. doesn't enjoy trolling people and Brian, you're saying in some ways, yeah, you can't take a whole lot. But as you said, it's a big game for the Bills at the weekend. And it's up to the Bills to show that they that their line isn't going to be bullied. Because one of the th- the issues that they've had against the Colts and against the Patriots is that they're getting bullied. Now they ha- are go- up against it at the weekend. They need to show that they can't be bullied because if three teams are able to bully them, that's a huge concern.
1: That game against the Colts is on Saturday night, next week. And we should have a special show for those Saturday games. Who knows what's going to happen. Our guests coming up in 30 seconds. Uh, I had something to say about that, and now I don't... Not not, not not about the guests, but about the Patriots. I'm having a bad week, boys. Like, I think Bill Dalachick just annoyed me and at one day to the point where I'm just not...
4: Bill Belichick was quite emotional at the end of the game. Not most, but he, he doesn't tend to over-celebrate on the sideline at the end of games. but he certainly did on that one. I think he, he recognised... He's now
1: one up in his older age. I think,
4: I think he, he recognised the significance of, of winning that game and if they were to take care of yeah. business, you know, in the second round of games when they played here, then essentially they've got the division. and Right now they're in the, the number one number seed. I'm not sure if they're going to maintain that number one seed. I think there's other teams coming down the line that will probably... Pipped them in the end. I don't but... know, man.
0: I don't know. Well, we, we talked about it last week briefly like the running for all of those teams that are in the mix. The Titans probably have the easiest running, but they've got the least amount of weapons. The Ravens have a tricky enough one. The Chiefs, uh, I know the boys think it's a tougher running, but the Chiefs are on a bit of a roll and they might end up backing into it. It's going to be a fascinating run at the top and at the bottom as to who picks up the last couple of wild card slots as well.
1: Okay. Let, let's leave it there uh, one, one thing I did see today on, on Twitter I, I don't want to go off it because I know there are Cowboys fans watching this as it stands the Cowboys would have to play the Bucks the Packers and somebody else to get to the Super Bowl I read I read it and laughed so if, if I'm sitting number one AFC and I've got a quarterback that went 19 yards and I handed it off and run I'd be delighted because it's a free pass and the stands in the minute but we'll, we'll talk about it next time We've got a we've got a special guest tonight. We are delighted, boys, to bring on uh, a man from Skerries in County Dublin who lives in Atlanta, Georgia. He wrote a fantastic article for us last summer. He contributes regularly, uh, just for the show now. Great article last week as well. He has his own website, Irish Man in Football. Tonight, we to welcome in Andrew McGuinness into the Irish NFL Show. Andrew, how's it form It's
6: going great. Thanks, Michael.
1: It's good to be here, boys. And it's great, it's great to put a face to the name, Andrew. Obviously, it's great to see your content on, on our website. Can you maybe tell us a bit about yourself and your background with the game?
6: Absolutely, yeah. Uh, well, as you very kindly said in the intro, uh, I grew up in Scaries County, Dublin. Um, sports mad family. Mum was a gymnastics coach. Dad was rugby coach. coaching Scaries in the AIL in the 90s. So, got to travel over as a sports mad fan. Um, but, yeah, just, just going back to NFL and how I got into it, um, when I used to go to... Pick up shoes on a on a Saturday morning as a soccer fan. I'd always pick up Sports Illustrated Europe if it was available, or the NFL kind of fanzine magazine as well. So um, it started from there. Um, I have to say, I at the time I was a Dan Marino and Dolphins fan, and when Channel Four had the um, had the game, I would would re- really relish watching it every weekend. And then I didn't have um, when Channel Four lost the rights. I didn't have that. Uh, i wasn't in a household where their cable existed so uh, i had to kind of forego the uh, nfl for a number of years but uh spent a j1 summer in boston in 2002 and had enough um, packers fans i was working with at the time to get back into it as a fan and um you know just just love watching the games and um the history of the game is is, is very important to me as well so you know the role of the blog is to really focus on those kind of stories and issues behind the game, uh, whether it's the social issues that affect it, uh, the rise and at times the dominance of women in, in, in the journalism side of the game as well. I think there's just a lot of color and um, those kind of different stories, bringing them to light is, is, is what I enjoy doing on the blog and obviously working covering the uh, NFC side for, for, um, for you guys as well.
3: Yeah, Andrew. It's always interesting to to hear. I suppose how people on this side of the Atlantic ended up getting into the NFL, and you you've outlined, I suppose, well, some of the ways in which the game has developed. What I have the twenty twenty one season thus far, as we enter week fourteen? How what have been some of the stories that have maybe caught your eye this year? Well, I think probably
6: as like overarching themes go, the the fact that the best teams in the land are probably going to be 11 and five uh, as we get to like the close of the season and how competitive the league is um that that stands out to me that um you know you probably have um a lot of expectations around teams like the bills people thought they were going to own the um the the, the um afc east and that just hasn't been the case so I think you're know, going back to kind of brass tacks like the teams that really dominated over the last season or two the Bucks and um and definitely the Chiefs seem to be coming into their own this time of year and we all know the old check Maxim about you know football doesn't count until it's after Thanksgiving as well so the Patriots are on uh, a serious run so I I really don't think anyone saw that coming and um I think as well like I I love the the stories around the uh you know the um the, the comeback stories around um uh, the Bengals like I just think that's there's something like ridiculous it, it kind of encapsulates the season the, the topsy-turvy nature of it that every every team has beat on any given Sunday that they've come back and they look like they have a great offense but they also have some really good and Henderson they have some really good defensive parts as well and um, I, I think like as wild cards for the AFC to keep an eye on um, I, I would have them and I would have the, the Chargers up there as teams that I wouldn't fancy Facing a uh, wild card weekend come um, come January, so yeah, like a, a lot of change, you know. As every year, we're kind of proven wrong, or we have our assumptions going into the season, and um you know, with with the Patriots and and several other instances, there's always an example of where like we just don't know until we, we see what's in front of us.
4: Andrew, some of the uh, articles that you've put together on, on the website are very insightful, but the one I really enjoyed the most was the Aaron Rodgers uh piece if you want to just uh certainly from Packers fans this side of the world you want to speak about that one as a Packers fan I'm sure it was interesting to put that together and I spoke yeah. it was all around the time of the vaccination story
6: that's right yeah um I I, I think you know the, the rationale was not to be um provocative it was more um I, I was probably coming to this place with Rogers and I think a lot of fans who have revered his style of, of game like I think he's one of the most talented players maybe to ever play the game and certainly in, in in Packers folklore, he has like he's he's up in the upper echelons. But I, I also think that some of his carry on, um, which you know I've seen like in I, I used to live in Seattle before I moved to Atlanta, where I live now, and I remember the day of the NFC Championship game when the Falcons whopped the Packers back in two thousand and seventeen. The New York Times had a big story on what's wrong with Aaron Rodgers, and it was about the breakdown of his relations with his family. So he's he's the the, the dual narratives are there. It's like. He's quite a complicated guy off the field. He's also very esoteric and brilliant as well, as that press conference um, kind of epitomized. So the, the article was really getting some grips with his views on the vaccine. Um, you know, he talked about misinformation and the Wall Street Journal had got the story about his COVID toe wrong. And then he had the wherewithal to... Um, to really call out a, uh, a female journalist who didn't write the piece who might have retweeted the wall street journal piece but again he talked about misinformation and he kind of went after her so i kind of latched on to that and, and i i made a comparison with nick Rolovich, who was the head coach um in washington state who was the highest paid employee in the state of washington and he made it a very personal pilgrimage for him not to get the vaccine and to kind of play brinkmanship with the team and uh I kind of juxtaposed the two, but also talked about the kind of interweaving narratives. And it's, you know, I think if Packers, Packers fans are ready for him to win a Super Bowl and exit stage left.
0: Um, Andrew, I can't help but uh, comment on the fact that I know you cover college football as well uh, as the NFL. And obviously, there's been a great carousel of moves in the college football coaching scheme at the moment. And, you know, thinking back, It's rare that an NFL coach leaves an NFL job to go back to college. Obviously, Jim Horbaugh was out of a job when he went back to Michigan, but really Nick Saban maybe when his ill-fated 1-15 Miami Dolphins tenure is probably the last time that someone actively left and joined the NFL of college football in, uh, in Alabama there, of course. But I saw a fascinating article by Bill Barnwell on ESPN today well, he was juxtaposing the idea that with the ridiculous amounts of money now being thrown around triggered by lincoln riley's move the idea that you know an nfl head coach or indeed a really talented offensive coordinator like kellen moore for example the cowboys could be lured across and away from the nfl to a college head coaching gig as a pro as a preference and that an nfl head coach might not then be the pinnacle of their coaching career i mean just in all of the shenanigans going on in the last couple of weeks what's your take and viewpoint on on that possibility
6: well certainly the purchase power of the top hedge coaching jobs in college football is it is in itself enough to sway I think a lot of top assistants or even maybe um maybe even a uh you know again it's it's not it's not just a young NFL head coach it could be it could be someone in a bit more mid-tier um I know Mike Tomlin went out of his way to scotch those rumors, and I think that was pretty kind of pie this guy about whether he'd be tempted going to USC before Lincoln Riley said yes to the role. But I do think there's a lot of – you know, with, with the the kind of uh, – with how NFL cherry-picks a lot of its ideas from in the offensive side of football from college, I think there's a lot of overlap with assistance. And, like, we've just seen that like Joe, Joe, Joe Brady was let go by um, – Joe Brady was let go by the Carolina Panthers in the last week, and, and their head coach has come. Matt Rule came from 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 college. And um, interesting thing about Matt Matt Rule that a lot of um, college football uh, media who met him will maintain that he is the most normal and sane uh, of the college head coaches they've come across. He can talk about art, he can talk about cinema. He's interested in food. He's by all accounts like an all round very good guy. So like there, there's the allure. The allure is there. I mean. I, let's see what happens with that. Oregon is probably the last kind of um big head coaching job to fall Joe Brady is probably like an outside candidate for that but i could see him coming back and taking an assistant role and i also think that you know the, for all the the long hours that go into being a top head coach i think if you if you compare it with the pressure of the NFL and the strain a lot of these guys are under a lot of those roles even though you're going to work maybe it's hard but that the pressure maybe is not there and there is something about landing a, pl- a plum kind of head coaching role or a top offensive coordinator role at a college or a school that might be preferable to the the, the, the day-to-day of, of of the nfl but yeah look forward to seeing it that, that trend continue because i think there's a lot to that
1: it's obviously been an interesting few weeks in college football as well, with a selection show last weekend in Cincinnati, getting into the top four and breaking that glass to them. But uh, obviously, though, Brian Kelly getting that major, major job down at LSU. I'm, I'm trying to get into it, Andrew, but like, to be honest with you, when you engross yourself in the NFL on a Sunday, there's only so much sport that your wife will take on a Saturday, so it's very difficult to watch something. And then you're getting up, maybe it's midnight Saturday night, you're like, oh, I'll I'll watch the Clemson house house game. I'm trying, and obviously, it's great to see games over here next year. And um, staying though on uh, the NFL this season, Andrew. Looking at, the, like, you know, obviously, we're about to make our picks after you We'll off the show now in a bit for this game tonight, the Steelers against the Vikings. And um, just wondering, maybe you know what your thoughts are tonight on on both those teams, and have you
6: got maybe a preferred favorite for the game tonight? Um, well, I, the w- the way things are going, I I, I, I think that like. The Vikings have talent, but they're like the most unbelievably frustrating team. And I mean, maybe not from a Packers fan's point of view, but certainly their ability to get into close games and play well and lose is kind of second to none. Um, I I think if I was in charge, um, if if Rick Spielman is looking around, I I think there might be time for um, Zimmer to be um, on the chopping block. And then with the Steelers, I, I, you know, I, I probably I would tip the Steelers on the basis of they had a good win at the weekend. Um, they're, they're an unbelievably limited team, um, but there's a lot of good. Um, I, I, I think they're well coached and they have, they have a decent defense. And, you know, Harris is a good player. Rottlesberger probably is in his last season. Um I, I think probably um, they're, they're the better team but I I, I feel it's the stories about like internal rancor in the Vikings locker room are starting to kind of come out. And, um, I I just, I just think a lot of it is probably maybe inertia and fatigue with who the head coach is. And, um, I I think he's had ample opportunity to make them a consistent playoff team and maybe kick on and and be consistent about winning or going with the Packers in the North. And he hasn't done it. So Zimmer for me is, 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 um, it's,
3: it's coaching on borrowed time. Um, Andrew, I suppose having heard your thoughts about uh, Rodgers and, you know, we're talking a little bit about Zimmer there, I'm interested, I suppose, about um, the, and we were talking about college, but when you look at, say, the Texans or the, the Jaguars and you have these multi, multi-billion dollar franchises, which have probably doubled in size since, Legalized gambling came in. I mean, they're talking about you know, franchises possibly selling anywhere six to eight billion. But the Texans are a basket case. I mean, they they have a guy. They're sitting a guy and they're not pay. they're paid like sitting him they're he's being paid ten million to just not talk, sit in his hands, not talk to anybody. You've got a head coach um there who, you know, it's his first year. they're they're sacking players. They're letting them go because they're not taking tests. They're late training. And and obviously in, in Jacksonville, you've Urban Meyer, who says, ah, I don't take too much notice what my running backs coach is doing. You know, I got other things to do, and we we saw what he did up in uh, in Ohio. Are you surprised that you know these multi-billion dollar franchises can operate in that manner when th- people can see it? This is not behind a curtain, this is very public.
6: Yeah. I and mean, I think to your point, Brian, I think the the cultural tone that's struck by Cal McNair as an owner, like that, that's just kind of what, what, what's happened there has filtered down. And you have, I mean, we, I think everyone was really surprised when David Cully got the role in the offseason, but actually, you know, he, he's proven to be a half, you know, he, he's, he's a good coach, but he's dealing with a pretty hopeless situation. And I think the, um, the decision to kind of hold, and hold and hold on on trade I mean I, I, it's almost like they're, they're playing for time at the end of the season about how many offers and who's going to make the best offer but I think culturally that, that that team that franchise has been in in a difficult spot for for some time I think like going back to when Kyle Shannon was there as an assistant they probably had they had a, they had they were a playoff kind of team a lot of the time but like I think organizationally they're dreadfully run um and we know we all know about the stories about the Belichickian assistance going there and the sabotage that took that's potentially taking place but I think I, I just think they're a badly run organization um a contrast a little bit with the, the Jaguars um Khan is he's an okay owner I think he was absolutely committed to bringing Urban Meyer in he's been um I I, I think he's been you know really courting him he was courting him for some time before he got the role He's there very much as the chief executive um, head coach. And I think he's very, he, he's two hands off. He's very assistant driven. And I think you're seeing that at the moment where arguably their best player, James Robinson, is, um, you know, he, 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 he's not getting enough reps. And, and Trevor Lawrence is saying, well, he, he's our, you know, our offense is kind of built around James Robinson, this, you know, this undrafted, wonderful running back who we we need to lean on and um so i think like it it beggars belief that franchises can be run in the way that certainly the the texans have been run but i think it's also really important to maybe contrast that with like like some of the the, you know the builds like a a small town blue collar team um there that's that's the essence of the nfl um in in the face of maybe the texans it's like it's so important that like but the, the bills remain in Buffalo and remain that kind of the, the the going concern that they are because um you know otherwise you have you have money and you have uh uh you know a lot of an awful lot of fractious locker rooms and and, and uh chief execs carrying on
4: Andrew yeah. as, as Michael called out at the start of the show um you you know you cover the NSC South for us you know you put up some really good articles and um, you're, you're based in Atlanta what's the general consensus on the Falcons this year new head coach and um, there's been some games similar to last year where they looked like they were going to get wins and then you know only to show them away we were fortunate to be in london the guys were in the media section kyle pitts took off that day uh, against the jets and we finally see I, he's been a little bit sporadic you know it's some good games some kind of half average games like you know he's obviously gonna be a great player in the long term but you know matt ryan may, may not be there in the long term
6: he might be um and i think what's maybe keeping matt ryan there in the short term is that you have a, you know maybe not a great draft class coming up you have maybe t- yeah. two first round picks um and, and, and that's probably it I I think the thing with the the Falcons is that they probably they invested in a sound um from an offensive scheme point of view. invested in a sound head coach coming over from the Titans um I think um Pitts is a great player but as I, I think I said in my article like there's a history of a litany of top NFL Tight ends who really don't get a chance to fit in their first year, or maybe are not used to the maximum. And I think we're probably seeing that a little bit with yeah. with Kyle Pitts. And then I think on offense, or sorry, on defense, um, Dean Pease is doing a decent enough job. I, I think they really needed. Um, I think what culturally, what's really good for the um, the Falcons is that the Dan Quinn era finished, and like I think all the you know they, they were kind of ragbag rovers defensively. Uh, for the last couple of seasons and I think you know almost like the last connection with the with the the 28-3 team is um uh, is Matt Ryan and I, I think they seem to they seem to be very good at it. like I talked about the Vikings being um um just so adept at losing close games the Falcons seem to be pretty jammy they seem to like win uh close games and get by I think in terms of the group or sorry the division rather if you look at where the the books are I just can't see given how competitive the uh the NFC West is that that another team will get in give give like like the idea that they have to win three games that either the the Saints or Panthers or um or Falcons would have to win three games to get in I I just can't see it happening yeah. but yeah you know, it's a it's a rebuild year and it hasn't gone all that badly but just to just to just to top and tail what you're saying I think that um this is atlanta is very much a football town college football town and, and the, the atlanta falcons or the dirty birds as they're known uh are, are very much kind of second place to georgia
0: andrew it's been a pleasure having you on thanks obviously for all your coverage in relation to the uh, nfc south for us on the irish nfl show but obviously your blog and irishman on nfl people should check out some great articles up there and will find you on Twitter at Ginty82. So thank you so much for joining us this evening uh, on Thursday night football. Really appreciate it.
1: Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks,
3: thanks Andrew.
1: Thank you, Andrew. Andrew. Thank you for your help and support as well. Thank you. That was fantastic hearing from Andrew. Uh, obviously, Archman living in Atlanta, Georgia. I wonder if you'll say with D Orlando first, boys. I'll have to get the Orlando back on again soon. But a massive thanks, Andrew. We'll, we'll put his stuff on social as well. Uh, time to
3: make picks. Michael, just before oh. the picks, it's it's a it's actually a big anniversary, and um, I, I I'm surprised that Mark didn't highlight it. the the ninth of December, Mark. 9th of December 2018, the miracle in Miami, absolutely fantastic. Walk-off win for the Dolphins over the Patriots. Lateral passes. It was, wo- it was wonderful. It was magic for everyone. Call gra- ground Happy glasses. Christmas. A ground-gloss of him. shoes at the end.
0: Um, a lot slipped? Guys, I couldn't agree more. I absolutely love reliving it because I remember how that season finished. What was that I, I know, oh, but six. for
3: the rest of us, yeah. Mark, that mo- that moment, a walk-off win, oh, it was it was, I, it I, was beautiful. With, with Ron, it was beautiful. It, back I, there, I, oh, it was magic. I have I have a Miami Dolphins,
0: very good friend of friend of mine, is a big Miami Dolphins fan who tries to remind me that regularly, and I just say, and it's when Brady got his sixth ring, and it's when the Patriots won their sixth ring, and it shuts up everything. I actually thought for a horrible minute you were going to refer to uh, uh, Chris Harper and the muffed punt when. Patriots were ten and zero, and then lost in uh, Denver. But no, yeah, my miracle. I pregnant. thought column was actually
1: Mark. I actually thought Column was going to say it's a three-day anniversary of the Patriots winning the Super Bowl in Buffalo on a windy night. But sure, we'll, we'll leave it there. And yeah, we'll we'll have, we'll have a bit of crack for that during the weekend. Irish NFL presented by matchbook betting exchange. Hmm. Uh, a bonus code Irish NFL should get you fifteen pounds, fifteen yo-yo, depending on where you are on the island of Ireland. Uh, Go for it, lads. Uh, T's and C's below. In terms of the exchange tonight, the Pittsburgh Steelers are the rank outsider going by match pick, Benny, exchange, Brian. Uh, Well, don't give away your pick, Brian, but 2.62, Vikings 1.59, and the over and under is 44.5. Can a 44.5-year-old Ben Rafflesberger, it seems like he is, get over 44.5 tonight?
4: Yes, I believe it'll be an over tonight. Yeah, I don't Ooh. see why huh? Well, you look at an average of what the Vikings have been putting up in the games, despite the loss last weekend, they put up good points. They've been consistently putting up good points throughout the season. I think if you go back over the games, we they lost the all, the majority have been high scoring games. So it's not against the rounds of possibility that they put up 28, 30 points, and you would expect the Steelers to put up at least 14, 17 points. I if if you I you may
0: work. make an argument for the under, just in the interest of balance, the Steelers' offense has been stop start at best um and we've talked a lot about that well we've uh, talked a lot but the dodgy offensive line and the minnesota D-, D line is powerful and can get pressure on them and by contrast you say obviously the steelers have conceded a lot of points the bengals game is a prime example but look at what the vikings are going to put out tonight no Thielen, uh a dalvin cook coming back 11 days after a separated shoulder there is no guarantee unless they rely upon the magic that is Justin Jefferson that they're going to be effective. So, um, you, you might find core cousins involved Vikings, but I'd say the under is we,
4: we, we might see something similar to what we saw in LA on the Sunday night where the Chargers found ways to give the ball away, like this um, Cousins can do, leaving a bit of a short field for the Steelers for them to punch in some touchdowns, which brings the score up. I think it's a low line, I, I expect it to be around 46 and a half. I know Colin doesn't really care what the line is on the totals, but uh. From a betting angle, um, and I won't be having a bet on it, but I would suggest it goes over.
1: Of course, I'm it. That was a joke. I thought that was funny. It is quite funny. Uh, match group betting exchange: fifteen pound, fifteen yo-yo, depending upon your geographic location. Colin, we're not going to ask you to but it is time. Yeah. Monday night football. First night football. I don't know anymore, boys. Is it week week fourteen? The picks are presented by. Matchbook betting exchange. The Vikings are five and seven. They just got beat to the Detroit Lions last week. And the Steelers are 6-5-1. This game is in Minneapolis. Uh, we didn't get a chance to say a comment, but that was great to have uh, Arif a That was a good crack chatting about the Vikings and apparently you've been to Minnesota, Colin. So who's your pick tonight?
3: Yeah, I have. I've been to that stadium and um, as Colin said, it can be quite raucous in there, but you know, things are certainly not rosy in Minnesota at the moment. That's, I mean, this game, honestly, I think this is possibly the hardest game I've had to to pick this year because I can make a case why both of these sides will win and I can make a case why both of these sides will lose. And for all the flack Kirk Cousins gets, he's probably having the best season of his career. And against the, the Lions, he wasn't helped by the fact that in their infinite wisdom, the Vikings decided to change three of their starting linemen and the lines were able to, to get to him. The, the Steelers, I think going up against your arch rivals when they come into your house after you've had your pants pulled down by the Bengals, then they needed that one. Now they were helped by the fact that Lamar is really going through a bit of a slump at the, at the moment. And TJ Watt is so effective. If, if if TJ Watt is a, a game wrecker like he is, the Steelers um can, can win this game. But um Dalvin Cook is going to play. The Vikings need this more um than the, the Steelers do. I know Colin said that you know if the Steelers don't, they're out. But if the Vikings don't win, I, I think they, they are absolutely gone. The fact that they're playing Dalvin Cook and I think even with Thielen out, Jefferson is playing at such a high level that he will have enough to exploit what has been uh, a Steelers secondary that hasn't been fantastic. They're in and around 22, 23 um, in, in terms of their ranking for their their secondary. So I'm going to go with the Vikings to, to win this. But if the Steelers do win it, I'm not going to be at all surprised. I know mark is concerned about cook coming back so quickly
4: after that after that injury but they've also got another effective running back in madison who who on his day can be quite good and i think it's, he's kind of goes under the radar because cook gets all the exposure but we've seen games this season where he's out he's out play cook in, in games um it's a, it's a strange one. it's, it's in, in many ways it's a good game because you don't know what to expect and it's certainly a game that has a lot on it in terms of who if one gets to the playoffs but mark said it again on monday but Big Ben and once they won that game he didn't really do much until the fourth quarter and that's the problem, we're not seeing Big Ben play consistently over four quarters and I think Vikings offensively we are seeing Mario then so yeah, I think it's a tough one, again I wouldn't be surprised if, if the Steelers were to find a way to win it but I'm going to name with the the Vikings and get, get I'll have them win a close game um,
0: what, one of my favorite Latin expressions is astra inclinat said non-obligant, which is the your, stars... it, one of my favorites. The stars indicate, but they do not oblige. You know, you're not destined necessarily in the way in which the the go. The problem is with both of these teams, you look at the pointers, you look at the way the game should go, and they go in completely the opposite direction. How, and column you called it earlier, how the Vikings could go from a team beating the Packers, deservedly so, to losing to the Lions is incomprehensible i mean norman bates harvey dent the roman god janus dr jekyll and mr hyde none of them have a patch on the 2021 vikings to say the least i mean i want to say dr mike and mr zimmer probably would be more more appropriate the, the way things are gone i don't need a freudian analysis of the id super Id, and ego i just want someone somehow some way to make sense Of the minnesota vikings at some point i've said time and time again, do not bet on them do not bet on them to win do not bet on them to lose so i have no idea what they're going to do today i mean there's no logic there's no point in trying to buy logic or sense to this game in any sense in any regard look i'm i'm very conscious of michael's had a couple of jabs today so like i mean in in fairness both of these teams are going to be struggling together winning record in that regard, they share a lot with the Denver Broncos who don't remember what a winning record looks like. But on my bed is that neither of them will leave today with a winning record. The Steelers will be perfectly at 500 in the equivalence that Colin was talking about earlier, and the Vikings will leave somehow, someway at 6-7, and seven, and Mike Zimmer lives at least to the end of the season.
1: Um, I had my job a couple of weeks ago, but th- thanks for that. Um, yeah, th- Thank you very much. For me, uh, you're talking about Mike Zimmer, I don't think Mike Zimmer's going anywhere until the very end of the season, regardless if the Steelers were to win tonight, I don't think he's going to go anywhere. I've seen a lot of boys on Twitter going, "No, oh, get him out, get him out. Why is the bot? Why, why is the it It's It's Um Look, there's numerous different situations that I can try and compare to here. For anybody uh, in NI, I'm comparing the Vikings right now to the Span local card, which works one week and doesn't work the next. Why operate something like that if it's not going to work? That's a bit what the Vikings are like to me. Now I want to thank the NI executive for that. My card won't work. and um, but more importantly, the Vikings are a bit like Arma Gaelic team. 20 minutes up the road from me, they think they're better than what they truly are. Kieran is a bit like Mike Zimmer, all the talk about him and then he just feels a deliver. The Vikings go out one week and beat the Packers. They mess up the next week. And let's be quite clear here the 6 5 and 1 Steelers team are nowhere nowhere near where they need to be at. But if you've Adam Feline and they're going to go for Justin Jefferson all night, any idiot knows if you cover Justin Jefferson tonight and try and stop the run game for the Vikings, this game is going nowhere for the Vikings. For me, I'm taking the Steelers in the money line. I'm taking the Steelers on the over. Sorry, sorry I'm taking the Steelers on the under. And I'm taking the Steelers plus 3.5 tonight. I don't see any way in which the Vikings win this game, boys, tonight. I can't see. After watching that Lions game and after putting my whole fantasy week on it, I'm taking the Steelers 100%. If the Steelers can stop the Ravens on defense, 100%. 100%. All in. You don't Lock see it away. Any,
3: any way. <laughs>
1: no, I'll tell you why. Because they're going to mess it up. They're going to mess it up completely tonight. Completely. You know, technically, all they need is for Kirk Cousins to go out and have a decent game. He'll throw two or three picks on primetime TV tonight.
4: He's not one for prime time. I think he's only had one. He's not. He's not. he's not.
1: He's not. I and mean, he'll go out tonight and he'll mess it up. Whereas Dave Ben will do his, his match. I, I
0: think Paris he's to got the lowest in prime interception league. percentage really in the NFL. Michael Kirk Cousins.
2: He's got the lowest old. inception
0: percentage this year in the NFL. Hey, he's just going night night to have a bad night.
1: night. night. He's going to have a bad night. Uh, he might.
4: He, he might. might. Is
1: 24 I can see twenty-four. Vikings fourteen.
4: It's a, to be honest, it is a difficult game to call It's probably one of the most difficult games we've had in the choice night to cut. Like, well, it's, we're all picking the Vikings, but we're putting up an argument as to why you shouldn't pick them. You know, Marcus said, Don't put your money on the Vikings, no matter what. Michael's putting money on them on the seniors to win the under the plus three. He's going to be very rich in the morning or hoping that that card works again. <laughs> to get himself I mean, Brian, I don't uh, well, think I don't it's it's think an local any local of town, us in
0: the sorry, I don't think any of us feel. Confident,
4: necessarily.
0: So I think there's a little bit of like uncleanness to the whole, in many respects. But definitely, Michael's 100% guarantee. No way that the Vikings could win. I, I admire your bravado, <laughs> sir, and your confidence.
1: the Steelers blew me away on Sunday, boys. They blew me away on Sunday.
3: in what way? With in their the do, that, with their dominant win, they won the
1: game, didn't
3: they? That's all they have to do. So so did the so the Patriots on Monday night. So did the Patriots. Now, one thing like though, it. Mark Mark, one thing. Um, whilst you're right, the Denver Broncos have struggled. The the super big, Super Bowl winners not going to the playoffs. The, you know setting a record there. Before you fell in love with Mike Aziki. And, you know, gave up on your first love, Tom Brady. Tom, there's only one team in the NFL Tom doesn't have a winning record against. That's the Denver Broncos.
0: The Denver Broncos, absolutely. And he has a losing record at Mile High Stadium and has lost more playoff games to the Denver Broncos than anyone else. Yeah, conscious of that. Guys,
4: look, I don't, I don't think we can finish the show without having an even balance here. We haven't mentioned the New York Giants tonight, which is, which is oh, good. But I just wanted to let you know that in Joe Judge's press conference yesterday, and I sent it on to Column today, Joe Judge said we're having a really good time out in Arizona because he took the team out there for the week. And he said the vending machines are working well and we have it, we have it spaced out well because of the COVID protocols. Thanks for that, Joe. Nice one.
1: Uh, but at least in, in Arizona, they can't get on a boat somewhere and start taking pictures and stuff.
0: But I mean in the and in the interest of balance, I mean we haven't called out enough about the Tennessee Titans leading their division. The Arizona Cardinals still with the NFL best record. And of course, the team leading the NFC East, who deserve all the praise possibly going, <laughs> Brian. The Dallas Cowboys. We should we should flag. Good man Jura for the comment as well. That's brilliant.
5: I'm, I'm
1: making a pick. I was impressed with the Steelers' run game and the passing game the other night. Even though Ben had 262 yards. They somehow got it done. They'll somehow did you, it done did you see the tonight. first three it
4: quarters? It doesn't matter. It
1: does oh, hold matter. On, I've messed up. I've messed up. <laughs>
3: It, it, it is it is also uh, another, another anniversary it's the an anniversary of the stylish but illegal ikea monkey that was found in toronto if you remember that from about about a decade ago wearing this kind of puffer jacket i think that surely is a sign that it's the vikings night so i'm
1: going twenty-four fourteen. 14 what's your score prediction colin
3: um there, there'll be there'll be two points in it there won't even be a field goal in it with the Vikings involved I have no idea what it'll be
4: Brian, have you got again? twenty seven 20, twenty to the Vikings i
0: uh, i i have no idea 24-20 vikings well, that was definitely the screenshot with Darren Mark's face.
1: Uh, we'll be back at the weekend to preview week fourteen and hopefully I can open the show. With an edited montage, laughing at Kirk Cousins. Uh, Boys, thanks very much for joining us. Yeah, good crack.
0: Yeah, Yeah.
3: thanks guys. See you at the weekend.
1: Christmas.